This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's taken the better part of a decade and a half for all of the 50 states to implement secure driver's licenses. Our next guest hopes the U.S. can pull off the digital equivalent of that in much less time. Congressman Bill Foster, an Illinois Democrat, is the chief sponsor of the Improving Digital Identity Act. This bipartisan measure is the first step in what its backers hope will eventually be a nationwide system of cybersecure online credentials and may eventually get rid of usernames and passwords once and for all. Foster talked about the legislation with Federal News Network's Jared Serbu. I think the shortcomings of our current system were really laid bare by the COVID crisis, where where it was clear to many people that we need a good system of national secure digital ID for everything from you know receiving your stimulus checks to proving that you've been vaccinated. And this is something that has been really a huge waste of time and money for citizens and for the federal government and for businesses, you know, for many decades. And the lack of a good system for secure digital ID, um, it enables identity fraud, Uh, things like IRS refund fraud, where someone claims that they're you and claims they're your IRS refund, uh, to just unauthorized access to um, email accounts. And this happens at a much lower rate at other countries who have uh, recognized that there's really a unique government role in once in your life having you authenticate yourself as a as a U.S. citizen uh, of a specific state and age and so on. You know, this is pretty much what happens when people apply for a real ID card, where there's you know very strong biometric deduping of people. You know, it is not possible to get a real ID card, a you know, real ID driver's license in multiple states because they take your picture and compare it to the picture in other states. And so you have a pretty good guarantee that when someone presents their real ID card, that there is one and only one of these people circulating on earth and or at least circulating in the United States. And so using this unique government role as sort of the root of a secure digital identity ecosystem would just uh, save people a huge amount of time and money and, and frustration. Your bill is really not at all prescriptive. It essentially sets up an intergovernmental task force to study the problem, kind of gives NIST, NIST a share of that problem, too, and, and also sets up a grant program through DHS to kickstart these technologies. Why, why did you decide to pursue this in that way rather than just drafting legislation that says, all right, everybody, let's do this? Well, I think uh, the government has, first off, an essential role in providing the root of, of authentication. Uh, that that really that has to be the starting point. When the government has provided a high quality digital ID to uh, every person within our borders, you then have the possibility for value added authentication to be included on top of that. For example, you can use that identity to present to your bank to show that yes, I am the unique owner of this bank account, and prevent all manner of financial fraud in that way. You can do it for, um, for example, proving you're vaccinated or your children have been vaccinated in order to go to school or perhaps get on an airplane. And so the long list of things where the government has a list of of people uh, in our country and uses uh, just a chaotic set of systems uh, really is the the root of a lot of inefficiency and um, ultimately, ultimately really a lack of privacy because it makes all kinds of identity fraud more possible. 
you know, for most people, um, yeah, there are sort of nebulous spheres of big databases that are out there, but a much more realistic threat to their privacy is to have someone impersonate them online. And so I think this is one of the realizations that's really changed the politics and, and why we have good uh, bipartisan co-sponsorship of this bill. You mentioned the Real ID Act. If, if memory serves, that was passed in 2005, and, and we're just now getting to the point where we can say we've almost implemented the thing. And I think a lot of that was because of fears in various states about a federal government, big brother, single identity provider. And I'm sure you've thought a lot about the similar challenges that you would face here. Do you have hope or reason to believe that a digital version of Real ID could get done in less than 15 years? Well, we did an interesting experiment over the last year. Um, you know, there's, uh, for the last 25 years, there's been a ban on what's called a unique patient identifier for electronic health records. And this is simply allowing the, the makers of electronic health records to get together and make a unique identifier for patients. So that in what happens in many countries, which is that you, you show up at the hospital or clinic and they say, get out your, your card or give us the number, your patient number, and then you authorize them to pull in all of the electronic health records uh, from everyone who's holding them using that unique identifier. Um, and this is the way it works in essentially all advanced countries. Um, but not in the U.S. because of this ban that was put in place by my former colleague, Ron Paul, um, 24 years ago now. And so uh, this has caused a huge amount of grief. One example of it is the business of doctor shopping for opioids. This is where someone begins getting addicted to opioids and goes to multiple doctors to get more and more opioid prescriptions, which is the route that um, you know roughly half of the people that overdose came into opioid addiction from. And so this would not have been possible had we had a unique patient identifier where you'd simply go into the second doctor to get a second opioid prescription and he would pull in the information and realize, hey, you're already taking an opioid prescription, let's talk. And so states, uh, because of the opioid crisis, states have sort of you know, cobbled together uh, a database and, and talked to nearby states to compare their databases and done a sort of sloppy, inefficient way of doing this. And so um, when people realize that, you know, this is just one of many ways that we've suffered from not having a high-quality digital ID in this country, I think that, um, that the political ground has really shifted on that. So I got a Republican partner, and uh, a little more than a year ago, we uh, proposed repealing this ban and got a good bipartisan vote. And then just a month or two ago, it went, of course, the Senate did nothing because they never do anything, but... Um, but then uh, just a month ago, it went through the House a second time and was passed unanimously. So this, at this point, I'm hopeful that the Senate will do the right thing because this is something that kills tens of thousands of Americans every year. Uh, interestingly, after we, we passed that, the repeal of the ban on a unique patient ID, we got a letter of love from, I think, 53 health care providers. Uh, and medical societies, just because they realize how many people are, are hurt by this. So that's one example of, of the way the political ground has shifted under this. Another important issue in, in this, frankly, is comprehensive immigration reform. 
the 2013 Comprehensive Immigration Reform Bill that was passed by the Senate and we were not allowed to vote on in the House had as part of the, the core compromise that it represented was that yes, we would have a one-time amnesty for the roughly 12 million people who are here without documents, uh, you know, who can pass background checks and so on. Um, but in return, we would have real enforcement of workplace standards that you would use the real ID mechanism to make sure that um, that you would have real penalties if you tried to hire someone who was undocumented. That was the core compromise and agreement that was um, that was an important part of that comprehensive immigration reform bill. And when I talked to my Republican colleagues, they believed that that basic bargain could be put back on the table again in a future administration. That's interesting. Um, last thing. Do, do you? I know you're again not prescribing a specific outcome here, but do you envision this being used primarily for the kinds of transactions where you're interacting with the government and maybe some of the healthcare provider examples that you used, or does it really just replace everything? Did, did all usernames and passwords go away once we've got this fully implemented? Oh. It could. Uh, there are very impressive products that have been developed uh, in, in private industry, um, but also in collaboration with states to have uh, digital driver's licenses uh, that are essentially embedded in what's called the secure enclave of your, of your cell phone. And so this means that when, you're, when you have to prove who you are who you are, uh, then it, uh, if it's a low-value transaction, you just say, do you have your cell phone, prove you have your cell phone, and that's an electronic transaction that's easy. If, it, if you're trying to do something really important, like, I don't know, sell your car or your house, then you say, okay, I need real proof who you are, and then it, then it asks you, okay, hold up your face to the camera and let me have a, take, take a video of you as you're reading some script. And then using data that is stored only in your phone, it verifies, yes, you are in fact the same person who authenticated themselves uh, to the federal government when you got your real ID provisioned by the federal government. And so this is the sort of technique that would allow you to, for example, do high-value banking transactions on your laptop at home. Because from time to time, before you're going to move a lot of money around, it would say, okay, thank you for your interest, and I'll prove you are who you are, and not some hacker off somewhere else in the world. And you'd do that with the very advanced ID technology that's provided in modern cell phones. So that part of the grant program in our thing is to encourage uh, states and, and uh, agencies in the federal government to take advantage of that kind of technology to make a system much more efficient. So just imagine that you go into a, a hospital or a clinic and you do not have to fill out all of those forms that say when did you just have all of your vaccinations and when did you have your surgeries and all this sort of stuff when you know for a fact that that information is already on many other computers. That you simply say, okay, you're now authenticating yourself. You know, get out your cell phone, prove you are who you are, and give me an authorization to, to collect your health care records from everywhere you've ever gotten it. And at that point, um, you know, the transaction would be done and would be much more safe and secure of the system that we have right now where you have to carry around big bundles of papers every time you go to some new doctor that you've not been to before. Illinois Congressman Bill Foster speaking with Federal News Network's Jared Serbu about the Improving Digital Identity Act. We'll post this interview plus more information about the legislation at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. 
Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at pluralsight.com vision.